Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> we, we're only going to cover four verses this morning. Four verses. Because I got stuck. Sometimes when you're teaching, you think that, well, I'm going to get to this place. But then the Holy Spirit says, nope, you're going to stop right here. I says, okay. First four verses, Jesus warns against offenses. Jesus warned against offenses. The four verse verses talk, four verse, four verses talk about offenses. And verses three and the four talk about, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness, think about that. Offenses, verses 1 and 2. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to those through whom they do come. In other words, you can't escape all offenses. They will come. It would, better, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. A millstone, you know what a millstone, pretty heavy. You might have seen a millstone, a donkey pulling this big old heavy round thing with a, with a hole in it. And it weighs hundreds of pounds. And it's propelled by a donkey, a mule. And it's going around and around in a circle. And, and it's used, a millstone was used for grinding uh, Mill, meal into powder, into flour. Um, it was used for grinding grain into flour. So it was very hard work for the mule or the donkey, but that's, they didn't have modern-day equipment like we have today. But Jesus said it's, it would be better for a person to put, throw a millstone around his neck and be thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. But he's talking about offenses. He said offenses will come. Offenses mean a stumbling block, uh, like a trap or a snare. Here it designates something that will cause another person to sin. Uh, false teachers, I feel bad. I feel sorry for them on judgment, on judgment day, because they're causing a lot of people to stumble. They promote their false teaching by twisting the scripture to make the scripture say what they wanted to say and not what the text is saying. And many people follow them. Jesus says it's better for you to put a millstone around your neck and be thrown into the sea. Uh, you know, a, a new believer, he says, stumbling these little ones like a new convert or a new disciple. A new believer cannot discern good doctrine from bad because he don't know and he can be led astray. He can be thrown away by every wind of doctrine because he's not grounded yet. He, a, a mature believer, he can distinguish good doctrine from bad doctrine. When he's, when he's grounded in the word and know the word of God, when he hears something faulty and hears something false, he's able to say, nope, I'm not going to receive that because that was not from the Holy Spirit. That was from the man. That was from the person, but not from the spirit. But a new believer, he just believes whatever. He see a guy behind the pulpit, fancy church, and a lot of people, a lot of fancy cars in the parking lot. And he thinks the guy is telling the truth. 
Not necessarily so. That's why James 3.1 said there shouldn't be many teachers among you because they're going to receive the greater judgment. A, a teacher can lead a whole church astray unless you're really grounded in know the word. Jesus said it was, it's, it's better that you put a millstone around your neck and be thrown into it. That don't sound too good. That sounds to me like judgment. But he said offense is going to come. Means stumbling blocks. You know, they, we have the freedom in Christ. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You, you might have read the chapter. I'm sure you, you did. It was talking about meat. And some people thought meat was offered to idols and other people thought it wasn't. And some people say, you know what? I have the freedom in Christ to eat meat if I want to. Uh, idol to me is nothing. It's nothing. But Paul said, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Paul said, I have the liberty to do what I want. But be careful that you don't use your liberty to, a, to be a, a stumbling block to those who are weak in the faith. He said, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 12 through 13, Paul says this, but if you, but if you sin against a brethren and you wound his weak conscience, you've sinned against Christ. If you sin against a brother and wound his weak conscience, you've sinned against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, Paul said, I will never eat meat again. If food makes my brother stumble and wound their weak conscience, a lot of them were immature in the faith. He said, it's just like sinning against Christ when you sin against a brother. That's what Paul is saying. Therefore, if food makes my brother, he says, man, I'm not going to do it. I have the freedom to do it if I want to do it, but on the sake of my brother, he said, if I use my freedom to stumble my brother, I am not walking in love. That's what he said. Well, the stronger Christian who allows himself certain liberties must be careful that his liberties does not cause a weaker brother or maybe a new believer who are weak in the faith to stumble. That's what, what he's saying. You know, I can do what I want, but how is that going to affect other people? How is that going to affect me? Especially as a pastor, I watch where I, where I go. I watch what I do. I, I don't want to be seen in places where I shouldn't be going. Someone from the church come along and see me somewhere I shouldn't be. First thing they're going to say is, oh, boy, you know, how hypocritical is that? Now, it don't mean I can't have any fun. I don't want to be legalistic now. I mean, I like to have fun like everybody else. You know what I mean? I ain't dead yet. Amen. I'm not going to die until I'm dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? I don't want to use my freedom as if somebody, somebody say, hey, you know, the Bible doesn't say a person cannot drink. Uh, I'm not condoning drinking, but the, Bible's con the Bible condemns drunkenness. Yes, drunkenness is a sin. But the Bible doesn't say you can't. Amen. <laughs> uh, but if, if, I, if I use my freedom uh, to drink in front of a brother who might be stumbling or struggling with alcohol, especially in my position as a pastor, if I'm at a restaurant on Saturday nights and I got a jug of wine on my table, 
and someone from Calvary Chapel to come and walks over there and say, hey, good evening, Pastor, how you doing? And they see that jug of wine on the table, they're going, and I'm in the pulpit on Sunday mornings, what's going to be going through their minds? <laughs> now, I don't think I've sinned if I drink a glass of wine. I don't think, I don't drink. I don't drink. Because uh, I was a bartender for a long time before I came to Christ, and I know what alcohol can do to people if, unless you control it. So, to say that, I choose not to use my liberty to do it. I choose not to use my freedom to do it because I don't want to stumble another person who might be struggling with alcoholism. Uh, he can say, well, you know, we saw Pastor Joe do it. If he did it, it must be okay for me. Well, I'm not going to, I don't want to take a chance on stumbling somebody else. But if I did do it, uh, I, I'm not, uh, I don't think I've sinned. And I, you know, so, and again, I'm not condoning drinking, but you have the freedom, but you also must think about the other person who are weaker in the faith than you are. Amen. Yeah, so, I've had people come in and say, well, I have the liberty to smoke. I said, well, you shouldn't be smoking, number one, because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you shouldn't be smoking. Well, will I go to heaven if I smoke? I said, yes, you might get there before me. <laughs> if you keep smoking it, because your body is not supposed to. Now, if you smoke, and if you're struggling with cigarette this morning, you pray that God will deliver you from that. Because these things are, will kill you, and it's bad for your system. It's bad for your health. So if you're struggling with smoking, I'm not going to say you're going to go to hell. I'm just saying you got a problem, and you should stop immediately. But anyway... Verses 3 and 4, I was talking about liberty. Liberty. Take heed to yourself. If your brother stands against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Well, that sounds easy. And if he stands against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Easier said than done, right? Now, how could you sin against a person seven times in one day? Uh, I've had people come close. Uh, uh, I'm going to tell you that much. You'll, you'll see, too. You'll see. But you, what he's talking about, having an attitude of forgiveness. You remember the guy that was 1 Corinthians 5 when there was, supported, there was uh, immorality in the church? And there was a, a guy was sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul said, you know, the church knew about it. The church knew about it. And Paul said, you guys ought to be mourning from this, for this person. Paul said, throw the person out. They excommunicate the person. There was incest in the church. There was sexual immorality in the church. The church knew about it, and the church did nothing. Everybody just kind of ignored it, thought it would go away. The church was wrong for allowing that to happen because a little bit of leaven leaven the whole lump and if, if you allow sin to come into the church it will spread like a cancer that's why the shepherd got to deal with it well the thing of it is second corinthians same guy repented now the church is wrong because the church don't want to forgive the person this is believed to be the same person that's that committed that sin in 1 Corinthians 5, sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother, 
the same guy repented, and the church now don't want to forgive him. So Paul got to write another letter and say, hey, man, if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent. He said, don't be too severe. First Corinthians, I mean, second Corinthians five. Paul says, don't be too severe. He said a punishment is sufficient for such a man that was going overboard and punishing the guy too severe, too harsh. Wouldn't forgive, although the guy had repented. Paul said the guy is going to be swallowed up in too much sorrow. In other words, you're going to push him further away from Christ. And first of all, you guys let it go, ignored it. And now you don't want to forgive the guy after he repented. Paul says, it's too much. Paul says, lighten up. Lighten up on that guy. Our job is never to destroy the person. Our job is to restore the person. When the person comes back, we are to embrace the person and we are to forgive the person. Paul said, I want you, I want you guys to affirm, to reaffirm your love toward this, toward this person. Hmm. Forgiveness is something that I could talk about because I know a lot of people, I know a lot of Christians personally have, have problems with forgiving. Have problems. Paul said we should not be ignorant of Satan's schemes. Satan can use uh, unforgiveness in a church to cause division and can destroy and can destroy. He can destroy the unity that is in the church. Division, God has never blessed. God has only blessed unity. Anything divided is not going to stand. Satan tries to destroy the church by, by tempting it to use church discipline uh, in an unforgiving way. Use church, and want to use church discipline in an unforgiving way. We must, be, we must remember that our, person, our purpose is to restore the person, not to destroy the person's faith. The person's faith. If he tries to come back and you says, no, you did it once, you do it again, you reap what you sow, be not deceived, you mock God. Now, you made your bed sleep in it. You know, you don't say those words, but you're probably thinking them. Uh, if the guy tried to come back, the Bible says we ought to forgive and we ought to let the guy come back into the fellowship. We must be careful that personal anger is not vented under the under the guise of church discipline. We must be careful that personal personal anger is not vented under the guise of church leadership or the person who is being disciplined will become bitter and perhaps even leave the church. Our, our sins, they say, is a vacuum. Others are affected, especially those who are less mature in faith. Paul, he said, verse 3, take heed to yourself. If a brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, he forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times he returned to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Christians should have a, he should have a forgiving spirit. Christians should have unlimited, unlimited forgiveness. 
If a brother or sister does not, if he sins against us, if, he, if a brother or sister sins against us, we should go in private and tell the person and not tell the whole church. We ought to speak the truth in love. If he repents, if he sins, Paul says, you can rebuke him, you can tell him. I know I've offended people didn't even know it. I didn't even know I offended him. I said, you know, I, I have some off-color jokes I tell once in a while, and I noticed that nobody was laughing. So I laughed at my own. But some people got offended at the joke. I mean, it wasn't profanity or nothing, but they say a person that is easily offended is easily offended. Don't let everything offend you. I mean, something you just got to let go. But if you rebuke him, tell him his fault. Yeah, seek. Maybe he might have an explanation. Maybe the person don't even know that, that he uh, offended you. It is human nature for people to offend each other without, without even knowing it. Hmm. When you feel you must rebuke another Christian for a sin, when you feel that you must rebuke another Christian for a sin, check your own attitude first before you go. Before you speak, if you're going in the wrong attitude and going in anger, it's not the way to go. Maybe you should go cool down, cool off, you know. Do you really love that person? Are you willing to forgive? So don't go when you are angry. Galatians 6.1, you know it, right? For brother overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, re restore that person. What in the spirit of what? Gentleness. In the spirit of gentleness. So you got to go in the right spirit. Don't go in anger. Don't go yelling. Paul said, uh, Galatians 6.1, lest you also be tempted. Hey, the same thing happened to him could happen to you. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, therefore let him think that he stands, take heed that he falls. It can happen to anybody. Satan want to trip us all up. Unless, unless rebuke is tied to forgiveness, it will not help the sinning person. Unless rebuke is tied to forgiveness, it will not help the sinning person. When another Christian wrongs you, what do you do? What do you do when you're wrong? Maybe the person don't know he wrongs you. What if when a Christian offends you or when he wrongs you or do you wrong, what do you do? Well, your first inclination may be to run and tell somebody else about it. Or let the anger or hurt build up inside. Offenses among Christians calls for confrontation and forgiveness. You know, Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, tell him your fault between you and him. You know, you go in private, right? And if he has heard you, you've gained a brother. But if he will not hear you, take another person with you. Take a two more people with you that the mouth of two witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you as a heathen or a tax collector. The next time you are hurt or wronged by another believer, be sure you go to the person first. Ask God to help you forgive the person. 
Matthew 6 says that if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you will not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Pray, you know, pray, praying ain't going to do any good. Praying ain't going to do any good if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Prayer will be of no effect if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Matthew, eight, Matthew 18, Matthew 18, verse 21. You know the story. If you want to turn, you can put it up there. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is a parable of the unforgiven servant. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. The parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many... How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to sell an account with his servants. And he and when he had begun to sell the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's questionable how much that is, but it was a lot of money, a lot of money. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment may be, may be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave his debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarius, about three months, not nearly as much as the other person owed. It's a little amount, 100 denarius. A denarius was a day's wages, right? So he just owed a little amount, and he laid hands on him and took him by his throat and saying, pay me what you owe me. So the, so the fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and drew him, went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that he had been, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master and that he had all that he had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturous discipline until he should pay all that he all that was due to him. So, so my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his trespasses. Some people say, well, I can forgive, but I sure can't forget. Hey, don't be controlled by the past. Forgiveness will not, forgiveness will not only help you, it will help the other person. It will not only help the other person, it will help you. It might be, people say, I can forgive, but I can't forget. You know, it might come to mind once in a while in your mind. It just might pop in your mind out of nowhere. But you'll find out the pain is not there anymore. 
the pain in your heart is not there anymore. If you saw that person at Safeway, if you saw that person at the park, if you saw that person in church, you would not have that resentment, that unforgiving spirit in your heart because you've let it go. You can only be free until you forgive. You can only be free until you forgive. You got to forgive the other person because if you don't forgive, I hope you never need forgiveness. I hope you never offend anybody. And you will. That's how you know you have forgiven the person or not. When you see that person, you can say, you know what? I don't feel any animosity against that person anymore. I've let that go. I've given that to the Lord. And I'm going to put this thing behind me and I'm going to move on, man, because life is too short. Jesus is coming and you don't have time to be walking around with an unforgiving spirit. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was praying for his murderers as they put him on the cross. Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, do not lay this to their charge. Do not lay this to their charge. I mean, wow. I mean, it was stoning Stephen. And Stephen said, do not lay this to their charge. Don't charge them for it. This is how you know you're forgiven. You see the person you don't feel anger inside. You don't feel resentment toward that person. Because believe it or not, and I've seen this over the years, that a bitter person can make everybody else around them miserable. No one wants to be around a bitter person, talking about what things that happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. At some point, you're going to have to let that thing go and, and move on. No one wants to be around a bitter person. And I found out too, when a person is bitter, it can be seen on their faces. They whole countenance changes. Yeah. Forgiveness is a choice. Not a feeling. You might not feel like doing it. Forgiveness is a choice because the word says to do it. Maybe you've been really hurt. And don't feel like forgiving the person. But if you will obey the word, the feelings will come later. Maybe you don't feel like doing it right now. But if you obey the word, the feelings will come later. You will not have any peace in your heart until you forgive. Changing, changing churches is not going to help an unforgiving spirit, changing churches is not going to help a bitter person because you're going to take that bitterness right inside of another church. Amen. I'm talking about experience, what I've seen because I've talked to them. And I'm trying to tell them, I says, man, you bitter, man. I'm not bitter. Dude, you bitter. <laughs> I'm telling you, you bitter. You can change churches. And you're going to go over there. You're still going to be bitter until you let that thing go and ask for forgiveness and move on in life. And I tell them, you are being disobedient to the word of God. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. If you don't forgive. Baba said, God won't forgive you. Did Jesus forgive you? Well, it's very simple. And people I talk to in counseling, they know all these scriptures. They know all of them. 
But to know the scripture and to obey the scripture is another thing. Unforgiveness is going to lead to bitterness. So forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. The longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. Look carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, that the root of bitterness, bitterness spring up in your hearts and many be defiled. Many are ruining their lives, defiled, polluted on the inside. The NLT puts it this way. Look after each other so that none of you falls to receive. No one, none of you fails to receive the grace of God. They said, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. The New King James said many be defiled. The New LT said corrupting many. You can corrupt yourself just by being bitter. Resentment toward others. What they say, bitterness is like drinking a poison, wishing the other person would die. Who said that? I don't know. But somebody said that. I heard somebody say that. Bitterness is like drinking poison, wishing the other person would die. A bitter and resentment person is like a contagious poison. It spreads the resentment to others. So what is he saying? Be a forgiving spirit. Have a forgiving spirit. Let it go. Don't nurse your grudges over what happened in the past because you can ruin relationships. Don't allow yourself to remain angry. Be angry and sin. Now don't let the sun go down on your wrath because if you do, you're just giving place to the devil. Bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. You have just given Satan the foothold in your life. Unforgiveness opened a door. Unforgiveness opens a door to Satan in our lives. And forgiveness closes a door to Satan. The Bible said we should lay, away, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Lay aside any weight that's going to slow you down. We're in a race. We're running a race for Christ and we got to run hard and you can't run with weights on. And bitterness and unforgiveness can be a weight, can slow you down. And when you're unforgiving, it's going to lead to bitterness. And it's like a weight. It's like you're carrying a weight around. Everywhere you go, it's like you're carrying a weight. Do you really want to carry that pain? Do you really want to carry that pain the rest of your life? I know a lady in this church that was a bitter. Well, not now. So don't look around at you, each other. <laughs> they don't come here now. So, all right. So uh, this lady was bitter against this person for 20 years. Come to find out the guy had died. Wasn't even living anymore. And she's still walking around bitter toward a person who was dead. I said, see, you should have let that go. Did you really want to be happy? Then forgive and move on. People with an unforgiving spirit will divide the church and it's very harmful to others. Like that woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, they says, hey man, uh, scribes and the Pharisees throw this woman down on the, right in front of Jesus said, we caught this woman in the, in the very act of adultery. Through, and and uh, Moses, Moses and the law now said, we ought to stone this woman. That's what Moses and the law said. Now what do you say? 
So what did Jesus do? Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground. You can read it sometime. You know the story. What do you think he was writing? I think he was writing these sayings down there. I think when he wrote on the ground, it's questionable what he wrote, but I know it was so convicting. They went out one by one. Nobody said nothing. They all left. Whatever he said or whatever he wrote on the ground, they, were, they became convicted in their own conscience and they left one by one until it was just him and the woman standing there. Where are those ladies that accuse you? Is there anyone here that accused you? She says, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Moses and the law said, we ought to stone this woman. They weren't willing to forgive her. What they didn't realize, they were sinners too. He rolled on the ground. Yeah, the woman was a sinner, but so were they. And Jesus told them, says, I don't condemn you. Just go and don't live that lifestyle any longer. Wow. Jesus was willing to forgive the lady. How, how forgiving are you? If you really have forgiven someone, don't keep bringing it up. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates his friends. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love. But he who repeats a matter will separate friends. You know, you just keep bringing it up. You just keep bringing it up. Don't do that. We should, we should choose to forgive, forgive all the people who have hurt us. And you will be blessed by God if you do that. The Bible said we should be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Colossians 3.13. Did Christ forgive you? Then we should be forgiven. We know that. We know that. That's why the James said what we should be what doer of the word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves. James 4.17, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him is sin. You know what to do. You know what the word says, and I know what it says. People want to come to counseling and they want me to say something different from what the word of God says, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say it's right here. Open your Bible up. I'm going to show you in your Bible what it says. Well, they already know that. But they want to come sometime. They want to hear something different, and I'm not going to compromise. This is what it says. He who knows to do good and does not do it to him is sin. It is impossible as much as it depends on you. Live at peace with all men. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Hey, somebody do something to you. He said, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to God's wrath. Because vengeance is mine. He will repay it. God will take care of the other person. Maybe the, pers the other person might not want to forgive you, but if you forgive that person, you've done your, you've done your part. 
You can't control what the other person does. Do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, you don't know what that person did. That person was wrong. You're probably right. But how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to carry that around the rest of your life? Are you going to let that go? I think you should forgive quickly. Because the Bible says, whoever stands praying, let him forgive. If you didn't have anything against anyone, forgive him that your heavenly father may also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. Your choice, we have a choice in the matter. Praying is not going to help when you have a bitter, unforgiving spirit. It's not going to help. You cannot control what other people do. You, you cannot control if they're going to forgive you or not. You can only control how you're going to respond to it. That's all you can do. And what you do, even the person don't forgive you, you forgive that person. You've done your job. Uh, what did Paul say? Paul said, I forgot those, I forget those things behind. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do know, I'm going to forget those things behind and I'm going to reach it toward those things ahead. That's what Paul said. Now, Paul, if Paul could say that, anybody could say it. As many people as he persecuted and tried to destroy the church, evil person. When they were stoning Stephen, Paul was sitting out holding the people's clothes, holding their coats so they could throw the stones more accurately. And Paul saw the, saw the spirit in Stephen. He was so forgiving. And many Bible scholars believe that it so touched Paul's heart that Paul became a convert. Pete, he, Stephen was praying for people that stoned him. Paul sitting there watching it. And when Peter said, when Stephen said, lay not to this charge to these people, forgive Paul probably think, how could a person say something like that and be in stone? Paul said, forget those things behind, my brothers. Are you willing to do that? I hope you're not carrying things at, at unnecessary weight. Forget those things behind and reaching toward the things ahead. Are you, are you pressing forward? I pressed toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. Are you going forward? You can't go forward unless you forgive. You're stuck in a rut. You're stuck. You can't go forward. We're not to return evil for evil. We're not supposed to do that. Well, if that person hurts me, it's okay to tell a person in love, but you make sure that you ask God to give you a forgiving spirit. Because if you don't forgive that person, that other person got you in prison. That other person has control over your own life. Well, you can't even enjoy life. My advice, let it go, man. God is going to deal with that person. God is going to deal with that person. You just go and do what you're supposed to do, and, and you forgive, and you move on, 
in the, in the things of Christ. The Lord is coming. Time is running out. We're in the last days, and we don't have time be, to be walking around with a, a bitter, angry spirit. Don't do that. If you have never been offended, just keep living. You will be one day. And when you do, I hope you read these scriptures about a forgiving spirit. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now I know we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven Jesus said seven times. 490? Wait a minute. No, he wasn't talking about numbers. He's talking about having a forgiving spirit. I tell you, it frees you up, man. It frees you up. That's why, especially when you have children that are watching you, when you have children, a family, and you have an unforgiving spirit, your kids can see it. So you could pass that right down to your kids. Big responsibility, especially a father. Big responsibility to be a father. I was reading the other day, they said most American couples now, they don't even want to have children anymore because it's too much responsibility. American families are having less and less and less kids. Less. Some were saying, well, it's too costly, it's too expensive. Others, other people say, well, it's too much responsibility. I don't have time. That's pretty sad when you don't have time for your own family. I think that's pretty sad. Amen. Well, if you don't have time, maybe you shouldn't have them. But once you have them, to be a parent is, is very, is, is very uh, important to be the best, the best example that you can. So with that this morning, I pray that God will show you and will show me that's one thing about teaching the word, man. You know, it's like, if I point the finger at you, I got full pointing back at me. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Uh, I'm, talking to, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to me. Uh, when, a, when a person teach others, they teach themselves also. So I ask God will give me patience when a person offends me. Nothing worse than when coming to church on Sunday mornings and I got to stop by the store and lady in front of me, I don't know how I picked the wrong lines, but I do. Lady gets in there and can't find a debit card and then she forgets the pen number. One lady says she left a card in the car. I'm looking at me, I got to get to church, man. This woman can't even find a debit card, you know. I'm thinking, Lord, give me patience. I want it right now. <laughs> I know you guys are patient, so you don't. I know you guys always are. But praise God, you know, we're going to close, but praise God, man. You know, we, we all are learning, and if you struggle with this, uh, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we can't really do these things apart from Christ. It's not in our nature to forgive a person seven times, but by the help of the Holy Spirit, he can help us do that. Um, and I know that I think it will attract people to Christ. 
It'll, it'll, it'll attract people to Christ if we just be forgiven, especially the unbeliever. So let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your many blessings today. We ask, God, that you would help us to be forgiving people. Help us, Lord, to not to dwell on the past. Help us to forget those things behind and reach forward for the things of Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, Father, to continue to serve you in these last days. We know it's getting harder and harder, but we know that your word said it would be. We pray you would come quickly and uh, make all the wrong things right. We have turned our back on you, and, and now the whole world is falling apart. So we pray, God, you would use us in these last days that we can tell people about you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. And Lord, bless you this week. Stay close to Christ. Stay close to his word, man. And you will have the peace. Even these, in these times right here we're living in, it's still possible to have the peace of Christ. So let's stay close to him, okay? God bless you guys. See you next week.